This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Welcome, welcome one and all to a festive edition of the 1912 Exiles podcast. The Newport County podcast made by the fans for the fans. I'm Jamie and let me welcome you to 1912 Exiles Towers. We've all shunned our family and friends and decided to spend the holiday season huddled up together for Christmas. Allow me to take you on a little tour of the place. There's Reese, handing out 1912 Exiles podcast branded snoods to keep us all warm. We're waiting for Ed to light the fire. Careful, Ed, we don't want all our stockings to go up in smoke like last season's playoff charge. Over in the kitchen, there's Ian laying out the charcuterie spread. He replaced our Christmas dinner cookbook with a volume titled Great Philosophers of the 20th Century. So that's all we've got. And there's Jack. He's just told the carol singers to f*** off. As for me, I left my Ebenezer Scrooge outfit in the Stevenage way end, so I'm much chirpier here. Uh, evening to all of you. This is a cosy, cosy little podcast record. Um, we're going to do something a little different for you this evening. And I think it's probably only best placed in the, in the spirit of Christmas to hand over to Ian to tell us what we're up to. Over to you, Ian. Settle back, everybody, and let me tell you a story. This is a story of legends and myths and giants, and wizards, and romance, loyalty, and gallantry. This is a story forged in the steel mills of a South Wales town, the amber embers from which cloaked the heroes at the heart of this tale as they strode out across the decades, carrying our hopes and dreams onto fields of green. It's a story that gives thanks to every player who's played for us, but it's encapsulated by these our greatest elevens. What do we mean by that? We've decided to pull together our personal 
greatest 11s. Um, I want to make clear this is our favorite 11, our, our, the stories about why we love these players. Yeah, they might have cult hero status. They might be fondly remembered from, from our childhoods, or they might just you know be a bit crap but lovable. Um, <laughs> but the, to, to be really clear, this isn't the best team, just the players we've been most fond of over the years. You know, I, I hate all this incessant, Messi v Ronaldo nonsense. It drives me insane. So we won't be having anyone with like a, I don't know, a Robbie Wilmot Twitter avatar uh, arguing with us or someone calling like Podge Penamond or something like that. <laughs> uh, this is just our fondest, fondest because, you know, it's, it's Christmas. It's a bit bit of a nostalgic time. Um, and I thought it'd be a nice way to introduce the the full panel we've got here to talk through our maybe our favourite sort of festive festive memories or maybe our favorite boxing day game or just an odd moment we've had over the years uh following newport county so i'm going to start with the og of the 1912 xls podcast it's reese warren reese good evening merry christmas and what's your favorite festive newport memory good evening merry christmas everyone um i think it's just looking forward to kind of fitting into your christmas plans isn't it that you I always go over with my dad and my uncle normally. Um, and it's just the routine, or not routine, I want to say, the, the tradition of going over there at Christmas. I think we went over, one thing that does stand out actually is, remember when the Roberto Mancini style scarves were in? Mm. And I think I got one Christmas day and I remember wearing it over the county boxing day the next day. So that's, I still wear that scarf over there now, but yeah, that, that stands out. I think it's mostly just kind of, being over there there's always a big crowd as well a nice atmosphere so yeah that's what stands out for me hmm. yeah I, I know what you mean do you do you look at the fixtures when they come out in june and are you immediately drawn to what's happening on the 26th of december whether we're home or away yeah yeah absolutely it's one of the first ones i look for is the boxing day game see who we're playing hmm. yeah no i feel feel the same way reese um let's go over to ian ian up in yeah. Cold Yorkshire. Cold Yorkshire. It is blooming cold today, let me tell you. Happy Christmas to everybody, panel, fans, all of you. You know, hope you're all safe. Um, yeah, few, few, few. I mean, like like Reese says, you know, always look for the fixture. It's been harder for me over the last few years to to often get to Boxing Day games. So, um, but I have got a few cheeky little memories. The first one for me. You might hear a little bit about the eighties in this pod today, but the first the first one for me was my first ever away game. Um nineteen I, I I'm gonna say eighty two, someone's gonna correct me because I haven't looked it up. But them lot down the road. We played them on Boxing Day, eleven o'clock kickoff. I think it was the first time we played them in about thirty years in the league or something. Sixteen thousand gate in, you know, which was massive in those days. People you didn't get that in the, in division three, which was at the, the time. We took about four or five thousand down there. Proper atmosphere, proper derby match. We lost three two. Someone, a midfielder who will come on to later, scored a thirty yard screamer for us. Um, but we got the revenge back um, Easter Monday back at our place again in front of over sixteen thousand. Imagine that sixteen thousand home gate. Do you know what I mean? It was, uh, and that was that was something special. That 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 first game down there. My other one, completely contrasted with that, we rolled forward a few years to 1989. It wasn't Boxing Day because we didn't have a Boxing Day game. It was, I looked it up. It was the 30th of December. We played away at the Armsbury Pixons 
which is basically <laughs> basically the Armsbury Interchange outside Bristol, right? The, the, there's basically a field um, with a few kegs of beer, from what I seem to remember. Um, it was the first year after we'd reformed, we were playing in the Hellenic or whatever. And I was like, wow, about 500 went over. And I thought this was a very surreal experience, almost as surreal as that night in Milton Keynes the other night. It was very odd. You're thinking we've gone in a few years from playing a European Cup Winners Cup quarterfinal <laughs> to playing at the Armstrong Pixons in a field. It was just <laughs> like absolutely nuts. Oh, my third one really quickly was Conference <laughs> South in whenever that was. Drove down from Leeds, you know, it's a long hike, you know, got down there, got family permission, right, I'm going to go down for a game, off we go. Got to the game and I was like, God, there's a lot of cars here, isn't there? What's going on at speed today? To be met by someone coming out of the ground who knew me and said, kicked off at 12. (laughs) 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 So I probably had to get in a car and drive back to Leeds. (laughs) Incredible. That's me. Oh, man. I've got got two questions for you, Ian. First question, kind of a serious one. What made you go on Boxing Day, your first away game on Boxing Day? What what drove you to go down there? Was it the fact that, you know, we'd not played them in 30 years or in the league or... Well, I think I'd been going at that point. So we'd probably been going for a few. Se- I think I started in 1980, I think. So I'd, I'd had like, I'd had a few seasons going, not been doing away game. Obviously, that's the close, that, that is the closest one. Um, I can remember my parents thinking, I'm not sure about this. Um, and there was a, there was a, there was a bloke that they, that, that my dad knew who was going and he said, oh, I'll, I'll, he can come down with me. I'll take him down. So that, that was the thing. I just thought that would be a, that would be an experience and it was it was an experience it was like i arrived down at ninian just as like the football special was coming in and you know it was yeah it was a an inter- it was not a bit of an eye opener for you know someone like me a little bit wet behind the ears so it was it was it was interesting and um you know a few years later i was going home and away every game so um yeah you know you have to see it was a great game to be at great game to see and atmosphere and everything and like 11 o'clock kickoff. I've never been, I've never been to a game that's kicking off at 11 in the morning. You know, it was bizarre, but again, it may not been to one at 12 either of you by the sound of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And my second question, actually very quickly was um, out of those three experiences, what was your favorite game? (laughs) Oh, it'd have to be the, I mean, it'd have to be them lot down the road. We lost, but that season was, that season was amazing. We missed going up to division two by a heartbeat you know what i mean so that mm. was an incredible 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 side as we might come on to talk about and uh yeah some great game amazing right over to jack jack good evening merry christmas festive memories of following the port Bar humbug and all that given the intro um you can all f- off <laughs> no Merry Christmas, one and all. I'm not that grumpy, honestly, just when it comes to um, what I'd rather not say. Um, memories bleed into one, mate. Um, I had a really hard time with this topic, but to Reese's point, like people watching on in the terraces, always like my favourite thing to do over Spitty because the football was rubbish at the time. And Boxing Day and that sort of era, you'd, uh, you'd see everyone in their new like Stone Island gear that you know like get the get the get the badge so everyone can see it and like everyone's nice new shoes and that because they've got a dash out for the, the the family party and and that sort of thing and uh you know i was guilty of that i'd take my new scarf over and coat and and quite enjoyed it just the fact that like crazy it is that you can be stuffed full of turkey 
and booze and cheese and actually these footballers that are playing like non-league level the day before probably had a light lunch if they took it seriously and are prepared to entertain you on Boxing Day. It was always, like, it was always something I thought, that's a sacrifice. You know, you look at sport around the world, Thanksgiving in the States, they, they give up a lot of time with their families just to kick a ball around in a, in a city that's not theirs is, is insane. Um, so I, I remember always being quite thankful for that. Um, but as far as memories go, mate, uh, no games really come to mind. I think... I think we're at home against Western Supermare one year and it was a draw. Uh, and that's about as exciting as, as memories get, mate. But it's just it's just nice to have that outlay on a boxing day that involves football and, if you're lucky, a decent pub. Amazing. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you about all the, you know, the fact that these, these sports people have these sacrifices that they have to make. Um, I just think like cricketers quite a lot of the time as well, they're, usually like other side of the world admittedly in much better weather but they're still away for months on end and usually you know falls over the christmas period as well but yeah quite a few newport players probably made sacrifice probably some sacrifice more than others um i'm sure we we can all think of a few who probably had an extra extra portion of christmas dinner um yeah but yeah i love that as well um (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't gonna name anyone but okay yeah danny (laughs) Oh, we should have added this to our our eleven. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, and finally, Ed, your festival. Well, on on that point, because um, yeah, I mean, Jack talking about players who make sacrifices, and I think you're right. You look at the players we have in the division we're in now, and they will all have been no doubt very professional and had a light lunch on Christmas Day and maybe gone for a little jog. Um, my abiding festive memory of watching Newport County though is um, I'm going to take you back to uh, 2008 when on uh, Boxing Day we narrowly beat Worcester 1-0 um, in a game where uh, I, w- I don't get to enough Boxing Day games because of family commitments but I was at that one and I remember freezing my tits off um, and we scored a goal from I think it was an A.D. Harris free kick that just kind of floated through and fell its way in and it felt like 22 players going, it's a bit cold. I'm, I've still got the meat sweats from yesterday. Can we just kind of, you know, get through this and then all go get back in the warm? And uh, yeah, and that's kind of what Boxing Day football is like. You know, you've got, particularly if, if like me, you tend to watch non-league on Boxing Day just because of where I tend to be in the country. Um, it's uh, a strong feeling of the fans are there because they want to avoid uh spending time with their in-laws and the players are there because of a contractual obligation and that is what boxing day football is like um and the the trick is to find the joy in that yeah yeah i totally agree i think my my uh you you mentioned like free being freezing on the stands i i remember a game i don't think it was boxing day but i think we were playing wimbledon um possibly in the south possibly in the conference no it'd been in the conference um and it was a three all draw or three one up 10 minutes ago drew the game in inexplicably um but i was on the far far side the far terrace and it was snowing so badly it was snowing sideways so the cover did nothing and i thought oh this is cold for me but then i looked to the end behind the goal the uncovered end of the goal and 
bless them, all the Wimbledon away fans, it's coming like directly at them. Like they were facing into the the headwind of that snowstorm. Um, that's probably the way that Wimbledon were uh, <laughs> shooting second half to get those goals. But um, yeah, that was um, just like those odd surreal experiences. That's what I, I like. I've been pl- to plenty of um, Roddy Parade matches where, um, where we've come away with absolutely nothing. Remember a 4-1 drubbing by Forest Green, uh, which was not fun to be at. But yeah, hey, you go, you always go back, don't you? Right. We've done our festive memories. Let's get on to the 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 meat of the uh, of the podcast episode. We're talking about our favorite 11s. Just a reminder, these are our favorite 11s. It's subjective. We're not talking about how many goals they've scored or how many trophies they've won or appearances. These are just the players we like because they might have put a shift in or they had a good performance or they did a Rabona one time. And we just always remember that. Uh, we're going to work through it by position. So we're going to look at our keepers, look at our defenders, our midfielders, our attackers. Um, and we're just all going to share our memories of watching Newport over the years. We're going to start off with probably, I think this was a tricky one, the goalkeeping position to find like a favorite, favorite goalkeeper over the years. Does anyone want to chuck a player into the ring? Well, I'll do one um, as we've talked about Conference South and um, it's not somebody who played a whole load of games for Newport County, but, um, I think I've talked before in this podcast that my first game was around 2004-ish um, and coming in, you know, to a club I'd not watched before, you look down the team sheet and you think, who have I heard of? And there were two names. One of them I'll talk about later. But in goal uh, was uh, Sir Roger Freestone of uh, Killian, um, who uh, didn't play a huge number of games for County, you know, a dozen or so right at the start and right at the end of his career. Uh, and he was very much coming towards the end of his uh, of his time uh, as I came in. But um, you look down this, you go, oh, blimey, I've heard of him. Um, and, you know, still still had the, uh, the aura around him, still had the presence, didn't perhaps have quite the agility that he might have had 20 years previously. But... Um, I just remember coming in and thinking, oh, well, this, this team must have something going for them. Um, and I always have a soft spot for anyone who starts and ends their career with their local league club. And so uh, I'm going to have Roger Freestone in goal purely for that reason alone. That's amazing. Do you, I mean, you say, I mean, forgive me, how, how many games roughly would you, would, was he a sort of a regular for a season or? Well, I think, uh, and you know, I, let the listeners behind the velvet rope. I've got his Wikipedia entry uh, open. So obviously he started out um, at, at County and played some 13 odd games before going off to Chelsea um, and then uh, played most of his career at Swansea over 500 games. Um, and then in, uh, in 2004, um, he uh, left Swansea after 13 years, came back to County um, and played 14 matches before due to injury uh, retiring. But um, mm. but like I say, I, there, there is something about players who start and end their career with their hometown club. You know, it feels like that's bookending your career in the way that we mm. we all would want to do. And yeah, you're right, and it's quite a nice in as well for um for for yeah coming to start watching a side like having that recognisable name. It's a really nice in. I, I remember him. Um, I remember Roger starting for us. You know, and he, he you know when we have those. Well, we might talk about a few today. We've probably seen players who started for us, and you see them, and you think, "Do you know what? They could be a, you know, they could be a really good player." And they, and you watch on, you know, 
when they go on, you know, to Chelsea and they go on and have, you know, good careers in the game and you think, yeah, you know, they start, they started with us and yeah, you know, I, I remember him coming back, but I was, I wasn't going, you know, too much in, in them days with, with family stuff. So yeah, it's a good shout. And also mm. there's not many players who played for the original Newport County and the reformed club. And so I think that's quite a, yeah. an interesting yeah, okay. and important continuity. Um, all right. We've got, some more keepers, I assume. I don't think everyone went for Roger Freestone. So, who nope. wants? No, nope. Jack, go on then. No, nope. uh, so <laughs> this this is going to be a really predictable theme. But I, okay, first player, goalkeeper, Conference South. What a surprise! Era two thousand and five, two thousand and six. So, my memory is not exactly brilliant, but when we had the master, as his nickname was called. Tony Pennock, an ex Swansea <laughs> goalkeeper. He was fantastic. He was a bit like if you were a United fan, Shamayuk will be in in goals. You just didn't worry about the position. The master was in. That's why he's got his nickname. He's the master. He was absolutely brilliant until he broke his leg quite nastily. Um, and it, I, it was quite a severe challenge. I think I remember it being one of those sort of um, cover the body whilst he's being looked after sort of job. It was uh, a metal rod, nail, all that sort of thing. I did gra- I did grab up a, an article where he, he was quoted to have said about the whole incident that the fact it took 40 minutes to get an ambulance is crazy. Peter Beadle and Scott Young could have carried me to A&E faster and the ambulance guys did apologise to me. They had come from another hospital, not the nearest one, because of politics. So he was a bit of a politician, this Tony panic you know he he, uh, he, he knew what to, to stand on more hospital workers and more ambulances is what he would like anyway Tony Pennock was great we'd lost him we were never going to replace him with any quality in my mind and the, the terrace at that time only had about it felt like 200 people in it so you could hear every conversation and everyone's conversation led to dread who the hell are we going to replace him with and we replaced him with a guy called Mark Ovendale, who played for like Tiverton Town, I think. Um, you know, these sort of local teams that are even lower than us at the time. And whilst it seemed like a gamble, he was the type of player that just to see him warm up, you thought, wow, what a safe pair of hands. And he quickly, um, he quickly garnered the nickname Oven Gloves on the forum. So Mark Oven Gloves was uh, the goalkeeper of the time in 2006. And he, he was just brilliant. You know, nothing, nothing specific about how he, you know, the, the, the saves that he would have pulled off, um, no specifics beyond that. But he, he was just that consistent, safe option, we had Glenn Thompson behind him, I think, for a while. Maybe not. There was some quality behind him, but he kept them out. And I, I really enjoyed his time. And this is horrible for Christmas. Um, but to keep his memory alive, I think, is quite nice. Because, unfortunately, he did pass away at cancer at the age of 37, which is crap. Um, and that was a really, really sad time. And I remember going to the memorial match. Um, and, yeah, it, it's it's a selection that is fraught with sadness, but fond memories nonetheless. Mark Oven Gloves is my number one. That is a great shout. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, very sad, obviously, when when we heard the news as well. Um, I think it's been an age since we had like, well, maybe it's just my recency bias, but an age since we had like a safe pair of hands ago. I remember like, yeah, those kind of days, you didn't really have a good number two. 
you never really had like this competition for places did you you just had like your number one keeper who you just relied on and yeah sure they they might have made a mistake or two but generally speaking say pair of hands that on gloves um who wants to go next reese you mentioned glenn thompson there he was pretty pretty decent as well in the conference south he was in the he promotion was team, and he was really little as well so to be <laughs> to be that good be such a look because for those that don't remember, like Tony Pennock was a really tall, spindly guy. He had a lot of agility. Mark Omendale, a bit more like built like an oven. Um, and then little Glynn came along with his little little face and his little gloves and did really well. But he, yeah. His yeah, concentration was great, wasn't it? Because certainly in that promotion side, we were dominating teams. But he'd make a save a game that would keep us in it. Like he would, when he was called upon, he was ready. But he's not my selection. I just no picked up on you mentioning him. This might be controversial, but I'm going mm. with Joe Day. Well, he, he is our like record appearance holder since the club reformed, he's one of right? Four players who have cracked over 200 games since we mm. reformed, and there's been times, admittedly, as the odd game where he chucks them in, but there's been probably more games where he's won us points by making some absolute outstanding save. Um, yeah, I think personally, Here's a question, I, I really like him. I, I agree. Here's the question. Do you think if he hadn't gone to Cardiff when he did and had stayed at County, he A, would have remained a more consistent goalkeeper and B, wouldn't get the stick that he gets? Um, I don't know. I think he left for Cardiff at a, like a, probably his peak years, which is is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, but, he's probably paid if, his mortgage off from from doing it. So, but <laughs> if you're if you're a goalkeeper and you're playing at Newport and you're offered a chance to go and play at Cardiff, who had they just been promoted to the Premier League or was it the season before? But either way, a Championship side jumping two divisions and to try and compete to to be their goalkeeper, you're going to take it. So I don't begrudge him for leaving. Um, I don't know whether it would change the amount of flack. I think it's a thankless position being goalkeeper, isn't it? If, like Roy Keane says, if you save everything that comes your way, you're just doing your job. And if if you chuck one in, then you're, you're the villain of the piece. So I think it's a thankless position being a goalkeeper. Um, so you'd probably still get the stick anyway, even if he'd been here for 10 years. Yeah, but I do wonder if he... Like because he missed out on regular football, like you say, during his peak, like years as a goalkeeper. So I'm just so yeah. I I do wonder if like because he was definitely better in his first stint for us. Um, yeah, he still does a job now, but like he was like that dependable goalkeeper. Um, and perhaps you know he didn't didn't again didn't have the real competition. He was never really threatened in his first stint, was he? Um. My memory's probably horrendously wrong here, but yeah, no. Townsend behind him, didn't he? Yeah, but Townsend never really got a chance. No, did he? No, yeah. he must. He must think that he's cursed by Joe Day, Nick Townsend. Just as he <laughs> thought he was going to be the number one keeper, Joe Day comes back. <laughs> oh, bless him, um, Ian. Your your keeper of choice. Who's your favourite keeper over the years? Well. I'm going to say this now because so I don't have to repeat myself. But my approach to this has been: I have I'm picking the team. My I'm picking like the Arnhem Globetrotters of Newport is what I'm doing. I'm going. I'm I'm picking the team 
that I want to see out on the pitch. If I could take any of these players at their peak, this is my this is my team. That's 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 been the way I've gone I've gone about it. Most of whom I've seen, but not but not all. Um, I didn't necessarily see them all at their peak either, which is a, a, a valid point. As a, before I get to my keeper, just a couple of shout. The best keeper I've seen personally was Mark is Kendall. So Mark Kendall for me was the best I've seen play for us. Um, I think it's worth giving. Um, I don't know if someone might say him, but Pidgeley a shout. You know, would we would we have got out of the would we have got out of the out of the, out of the conference without him? Not in that playoff um, final, no. So. You know, I think we owe, I think we owe a massive debt to him. Yep. But we can't have, we can't have the debates about keepers without going the person who put, who's got the holds the record appearance level for Newport County, over six hundred appearances, five hundred and twenty-five league appearances, never played for any other club, one-man club, and that's Mr. Len Weir, who played for us between nineteen fifty-five and nineteen seventy. So he is our record appearance of any era, of any position. He's going in number one for me. How, how many times did you see him play, Ian? As I've said, I haven't seen all of these play. <laughs> <laughs> and I never saw him play. But his I record... Mean, we, 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 can all, we can all go on Wikipedia and pick out who's got the most appearances. I feel like that's, we, that's, that's the first cheating of the game. I think there's a yellow card coming out here, isn't there? As I've said, right, right at the start of it, I picked, you know, let's think about our fields of green. Let's think about our hero. I'm picking the team, and we actually come to my manager, I'm picking the team that's going to get us into the Premier League, right? That's what I'm picking. Poor Carl Darlow. You know, and Lenny's going in. Right? <laughs> Lenny, we, uh, 500 Cheers. appearances. He's in for me. No, fair. I mean, you say, we, I mean, we're going to talk managers at the end of this, but I feel like you're going to pick yourself, Ian, to manage this Harlem Grove Totters team. <laughs> I think you can get the best out of them. I'm picking Ian as well. <laughs> <laughs> With Martin on tactics. No, no. Yeah, Martin on tactics. Ian to G them up. Martin on tactics and Jack to tell them all to fuck off when they lose. <laughs> Go on then, Jamie. Who have you got yeah. goals? Well, Jack, about 30 seconds ago, you mentioned someone, and that's exactly who I'm going for. It's Mr. Carl ah, Darlow. Brilliant. I, we had that weird season. We obviously dominated the Conference South. Uh, got up into the yeah we had a sort of okay first season in the conference second season just struggled horrifically and that's when you know the late great Justin Edinburgh came into the side saved us from relegation and then took us to a trophy final the same season that took us up the next season you all know the history of that but I think like part of that saving us from relegation element was bringing in Carl Darlow um, on loan um, I believe it's on loan he wasn't there long anyway um we just needed somebody solid because i think the quality of teams we were coming up against were you know a little bit better than what we used to and we just needed someone in there to sort of save us you know particularly when we had a probably a fairly average squad for that level at that season we were getting peppered with shots and you just needed a great shot stopper and it's been so great to see him go on to have the career that he's had you know um you know playing up at, up at Newcastle and yeah I, I mean I always get like quite nostalgic and I kind of get a bit like 
really like a proud parent when you see like a, a loney or a, a young player go on and have a great career you know so Antoine Semenya at the World Cup recently I was like ah oh. I, tw- I turned to someone next to me I said he played for Newport it's like really my mate <laughs> had no idea but <laughs> it's incredible but yeah Cardala for me because like we talk about Pidgey Pidgey was a close second but um just having that rock at the back just having somebody who is clearly a, a talent um that really saved us and gave Justin Edinburgh that that sort of foundation to go and do what he did the following season. So yeah, Carl Darlow for yeah, me. Yeah, that's a good, really good shout. And you know, with my with my on my philosophy where I'm wanting the best team I can get out on the pitch in Amber, you know, he's a Premier League keeper. He wouldn't he wouldn't get rid of Lenny, obviously, but you know, he, he, that's a good shout. Wow. It wasn't high enough on the appearance spreadsheet. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably only had about 25 <laughs> appearances, but yeah, not enough for Ian. Just to let uh, you know, I have got a player <laughs> next. I have got a player later on who only had like eight eight games. So we're all, you know, I didn't see him play either. So we're all right, you know, we'll, we'll be okay. <laughs> Amazing. Right. We're going to move on swiftly and we're going to, we're going to talk defense. Now we could go position by position here, but I feel like, we should we should just go for our, our back line, our back four if it is, um, who your your defenders are and, and why you love them so much. Um and if anyone's got the same one, let us know and we'll uh, we'll cover the overlaps. So yeah, defenders, who wants can, to give... can, can we can we start off by just saying, does anyone not have David Pike? <laughs> oh, oh, there's a few oh, okay, there's a few hands. It right, was okay. a late addition for me. I do have him, uh, but it was a late addition. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, should we talk pipe need, and then should we talk? To, yeah, you need to lead us off then, Ed, don't you? Lead, yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I mean, I... I'll, I'll start by talking about David Pipe then. I mean, um, I just feel as though there was that period when we were on one, you know, under Edinburgh um, and then under Flynn. Um, and Pipe's presence in Newport County in those key years, you know, dragging us out of the conference, playing for us in the fourth division. He is exactly the sort of player who, as a fan, you want to see on the pitch. You know, there's all the cliches about, you know, don't leave anything out there. You go out and you give 100%. And and David Pipe is one of those players. You know, look the part. Like, if you were a, 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 a slight winger left winger and you found yourself being marked by uh, David Pipe you shit yourself or you've got on the pitch and having someone who is physically that imposing and who organizes the people around him as well as he did um I think yeah someone like that is just first name on on the team sheet for me so um uh, and also you know he, he off the pitch a, a, a a proper gentleman. I think I've probably said before about, you know, he, he was always very happy to pose with young kids for photos and, you know, be there, take his top off, you know, even, even if you didn't ask him, he'd, he'd take his top off, show, have his guns out and put a strong arm around a young child and, and be in a picture. And, <laughs> um, uh, you know, we can gloss over some of his extracurricular activities and uh, criminal records, but like as a, uh, a talisman, and that is partly, I guess, what I, I've tried to pick a lot of, those kind of talismanic players who you just go, yeah, I'd want them in my team. I'd want them in my corner. So um, that's David Pipe. If anyone else wants to kind of add to that, then feel free. And I, I can talk about my defence, the rest of my defence after. 
Yeah, Pipey for me, like I said, late addition to my team. But like, he, he even in his latest stint when he came back, and he, you could clearly see his legs had gone a bit, and you know the the first touch wasn't quite there. I remember I mentioned the Forest Green game on Boxing Day that we 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 lost. Pipe got sent off that day because it was a dreadful first touch and then a dreadful challenge. Um, but even but he was still in the team. You'd still put him in that team. Um, even if his legs are gone, he came on in one of certainly one of the FA Cup games, came off the bench and was like, I think we were maybe hanging on for a draw at Tottenham, maybe. Um, but he came off the bench and you know, he was just there to sort of see that team through that that um that finish. And um yeah, I just yeah, the commitment from the guy. Um, yeah. You just look at him standing there at right back and you think as a as a left winger. And you look up who you're up against, all of a sudden you're just terrified because you can see him sprinting in uh, to try and get the ball off you. Uh, Reese, did you have him as well? Yeah, I did. I ended up uh, changing my formation to fit him in. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, like you say, I think talisman's the, the right word for him. I think just to look at him, you could be fooled into thinking his game was all about physicality. But when you watched him, like you said, in the later years, he quite often positioned his body quite well so that if you were one of these quick tricky wingers if you did get the ball past him he he'd positioned himself so that he could put him between you and the ball and he was quite intelligent and I've just popped in the chat as well in the the great escape game he put that left footed cross in his cross with his right foot wasn't normally that good so (laughs) so maybe maybe he's left footed all along um we had a running joke at the time, though, that no matter how poorly he played, he would always win man of the match because he was just adored by the fans. I watched one game where he didn't pass to any of our team for the whole game, and he still won man of the match. He just had an absolute cult status. Um, but yeah, he was. He was superb. And uh, like Ed said as well, he, he was always really good with the fans, um, which, you know... You don't have to be, do you? You can you can go through your life being a detached footballer, but I think you can embrace it and the fans take to you when you do that. You know, yeah. small gestures like that mean a lot to people. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's quite a few quite a few players who will probably come on to talk about who have a similar connection with, with the fans and the community. Um, Ed, let's come back to the rest of your your back line. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go through these a bit more briefly, otherwise we really will be here um, all night. So... Um, my left back, um, I'm going for Dan Butler because for a, a lengthy period of time, he was just a straightforward stick him on the team sheet. He'll do a seven or eight out of 10 job, crossed the ball well, um, just knew what his job was. Um, and uh, I, for, for reasons that will take too long to explain, I always keep a, a, a firm eye on left backs uh, and he is probably the best I've seen in a, in a county shirt in the time I've been going. Um and then my two centre backs, because I'm I'm doing four four two because I'm that sort of you know straightforward bloke. Um, my I've got one of only two. Sorry, no, the only current Newport County player uh, who made my eleven is uh, Mr. Michael Dimitriou, uh Makes his way into the starting eleven because again, solid, dependable, um, wins headers does what you expect a fourth division player to do. Um, and alongside him, and I don't know whether this made anyone else's list, I'm having Ismail Yakubu, 
who played over 100 games for us at an important period. And I don't know, I just really liked him. I just always felt as though if I was in a, in a corner, he'd have my back. I just he seems always really always, liked you, He seemed to always have that cast on as well, didn't he? Just <laughs> yeah, never left. Yeah. <laughs> Once it was broken, it was broken for good. Yeah. And you'd see you see him go up for like corners and it'll whack someone over the head by accident for great. <laughs> I I almost had him in my list, but uh, just for that reason alone. Yeah, he's a great player. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's on, that's my on. back line. I'm I'm not letting many goals in. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in very quickly because my back line's extremely similar to to Ed, so I'll get mine out of the way. But yeah, I did go for David Pipe. I did go for Mickey Dimitriou, because you're gonna love the guy. And Yakuba as well. I had Yakuba in my team. Um, I put him at left back because I'm sure he's played at left back before. He'd be played out of position. Um, but my other centre half, I wonder if anyone else has got this guy, Gary Warren. That's um, a great shout. Really good shout. Yeah. He was playing in the side like early days of like, well, pro- what was it? It was probably like Conference South days, late Conference South era. Um, I still can't believe he went to from us to Cali Thistle straight away. Like, incredible. Like, I think there was. Um, Scottish Premier League as well at the time but he was like the he was the Mickey before Mickey turned up he was the def, like the, the central defensive rock like if a ball was coming in or a long ball was coming in from a goal kick or something he'd always win the header he was just solid he'd get, get you a couple of goals as well from corners whatever um, and just generally nice guy and I like that he came from Team Bath the uh, university side he came to us from I believe so yeah lovely background lovely like career pro- progression as well um uh yeah i think he's probably one of my one of my favorites um all time actually if i had to pick one but i don't have to so yeah gary warren you've uh you've almost covered off my my back five <laughs> um so i had dan butler in there um he is up there with the best players i've seen play for us he was absolutely superb at one point we played almost like a lopsided formation and he played the entire left wing on his own. He played left back and left wing. Just ran that whole side of the pitch on his own. Absolute fantastic player at the level. And it's no surprise to see him now championship level with Peterborough. Um, mm. I also had Gary Warren. No relation, um, but fantastic player. And he was a real leader in the side as well, which you need plenty of those. Next to him, another leader, Mickey Dimitriou. Um He's another one who's right up there with the appearances as well. He's 230, mm. probably three now, I think, since I since I wrote it down. Um, David Pipe and the third centre-back, because I've got five at the back, was Ben White, who is one of the oh. best players I've ever seen play for us. Um, he didn't, you know, he was only there on loan. He wasn't there long. But I think when he was at Leeds, they called him a Rolls-Royce of a player, and that's exactly what he was. Yeah. See, I have this whole like thing of do. uh, Am I allowed to include loan players? Do what you want, Ed. No rules here. (laughs) But yeah, Ben Ben White. I always remember the um, the the debate that the Leeds fans and the Brighton fans were fighting over him because he was on loan at Leeds from Brighton, and like honestly, both both sets of fans were just like desperate to have him back. It was like unbelievable. Um, But obviously, we'd already seen just how good he was. Um, yeah, just immediately miles better than anyone else on the pitch when he when he stepped up, even as like what an eighteen year old. Um, okay, who do we go to? Do we go to Jack or do we go to Ian? I'm having a look. Who's got the the wildest yeah, back go line? 
Go on, Jack. It's, it's not the wildest, but one of the thematics in the team that I've picked, I've picked it on favourites, but there's some subplots there. The subplots being that who gave me the belief that we could do better? Because when I first started going in 2003, 4, 5, we felt like a team that just would never go anywhere. We're mid-table every year, playing some farmer's yard. Um, you know, it never felt um, like we could sign anyone with quality, that we could get a manager in UOU's doing. Um, and some of the players that I picked throughout my 11, um, I would watch play and go, wow, we got a chance this season. And so he's, spoiler, he's also going to be my captain for this starting 11 of mine, is John Bruff. Another player that um, was first name on the team sheet, he elevated the team to another level. He made the team believe that they could push forward in the league and do better. And he just he just gave this organization it was the equivalent of the sunday football when you hear give it a bomber or bomber's got it at the corner right he was our bomber uh but we needed him and he was great and whilst i don't have again like oven gloves the specifics of a memory when he did xyz uh, i remember the belief that he gave me in the team to do better um and gary warren was similar so gary warren arrived on the scene made us believe we could do better, made me believe watching that we could do better, and we did. And he delivered on that. John Bruff did the same for me. Um, right back, I'm not sure if Ian's got him, probably not on his spreadsheet, but there was a summer when this guy and another guy in our centre midfield was touted for great things. The type of player that you watch in your team and you think, we're not going to keep him uh, very much longer. A bit like Connor Washington. He's got he's got the touch and he's a bit classier than League Two. Uh, and that player was Paul Bignot on the right back. Um, he escaped us for Blackpool in 2011, and he was just he was just too classy for us. He was too good for us. Uh, you just watch anything he did and look to your your dad or your uncle, whoever your mates, and just go, it's just too good for us. Every week it was it was just no no way we're keeping him. We didn't, and he moved to Blackpool. Um, Again, I remember when we went up to the conference, I think um, he was one of the players being hoisted and bounced around because I remember I jumped on the pitch at the same time. So that's a that's a nice memory for me. Um, and then just for shits and giggles, left back, Andy Legg. What a throw. Anyone remember that throw? I can't. I've never. Yeah. Like the guy, the guy was retired when he arrived to us. He's not interested. He was seemingly the originator of that colossal throw. I've never seen anyone throw it further than Andy Legg. Yeah, okay, I could probably pick a few better centre left backs. Right, uh, Dan Butler is yeah, he is he is the most uh, quality I've seen in that position at Newport, definitely. But Andy Legg and that throw, oh my god, uh, Damon Searle was my honorary selection for that because yeah that's a very good nod but yeah he he was another (laughs) one who just yeah first name on the team sheet but like semi-retired but his is you could see the the gristle of his veteran nouse in everything that he did the the footballing brain on damon searle a lot of the dad's army that beetle brought in did exactly that they brought their experience to the table and they used it where it mattered and bruff and andy leg who yep play together I had a lot to say with that and, da- and and Damon Searle excellent excellent player I think 
and a legs throw in like the, the the rumor or the myth was that he could get it to the other side of the penalty box wasn't it it was like all the way like yeah unbelievable if, i mean if you were lucky during a warm up he would do nonsense like that <laughs> i also want to know so you... who your sunday league bomber is by the way cuz you you're clearly referencing someone there jack <laughs> oh in my in my footballing dot com yeah. you, you would wouldn't you if you, if like Back in the days, you'd get a phone call or a tax roommate and come and play on, you know, come and play for such and such pub. And you'd be like, oh, hungover, Sunday morning, and you just get absolutely battered by Bomber and Big Dave and and all these sort of characters. And Bruff was that sort of yeah, stalwart guy. He was our Bomber. That's, uh, yeah, that's what I meant by that. I'm really excited uh, to listen to Ian's yeah. one, though, now. I, I want to know who made the most appearances. You put a five at the back there, Jack. You go in, you go in, you playing three centre-backs and two full-backs? You... No, it was Andy Leggett left-back, John Breff centre-back, Gary Warren centre-back, Paul Bignot right-back. Honorary mention, Mr. Damon Sill. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I so wanted the, I, I wanted Steve Jenkins on the right back as well, but I can't have all of Beadle's team. In. <laughs> if you, again, no rules. You can here. if you want. You can <laughs> if you want. I am. So obviously, you know, Ed's already called me, you know, to the court of whatever for for for, for putting in a keeper with the most appearances for the Port who I haven't seen play. Um, you know, but. Out of my 11, I just want to say I've seen eight of them. There's three I haven't, right? So there's, I'll just let you know. Um, and the three that I haven't are, are three that need to be in the greatest team that I want to get on that pitch. Um, bit like Jack saying he wants to just put, you know, put the Beadle team out. There's an element of me that I was going, well, it's easy for me. I just put the team of the ni- early 1980s out. That is our greatest team in many respects. It got us out of... You know, we won, we won, came out of Division Four, won the Welsh Cup, got to the quarterfinal of the European Cup Winners' Cup, got within a heartbeat of going up to Division Division Two. Could just put all of them in, but I am I am done. I haven't done that. I've got thought I'll have to chop and change a bit. So right back, I'm going four four two. Right back, Mister Newport, I would argue, John Relish, um, three hundred and thirty eight appearances. Um, not only a brilliant fullback in that period, he was also you know, our manager, our player manager. He was the first manager back after the debacle. He got us our first promotion out of the Hellenic League. So, John Relish, dependable, solid, marauding, scuttling right back. So, he's me right back. Me two centre backs. Me two centre backs. So, I've gone, I've, I've gone a bit younger. I have no record appearances here. First one, Darren Peacock, um, 28 appearances. But, you know, we folded, I think, with about 150 grand's worth of debts, I think it was. It wasn't much when we went under. The brilliant brains behind our club never put salon clauses for loads of players, which I'm also going to come on to as a theme through this. When he went, when we folded and he went off to Hereford, he then moved to QPR. And then when QPR sold him to Newcastle for millions... Hereford got £440,000 out of that in the, in the early 90s. Now, you know, that would have sorted us out, wouldn't it? Saved us, done everything with that. But, you know, and he, a bit like um, Ben White, you know, he came, he came, when you saw him, you were like, wow, this, 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 kid's, this kid's brilliant. Do you know what I mean? He was tall, he was powerful in the air. He was a ball-playing centre-back, 
almost at the area when you didn't have four playing centre backs. Um, so Darren Peacock, alongside him, I'm going with Reese, I'm going with Ben White for exactly that. You know, I'm having these two brilliant ball playing centre backs who were also good, were good in the air. Um, because you know, there's going to be a theme here, my team's going to play some football, right? Um, so yeah, Ben White and Darren Peacock, MI2, and again, I'm you know, was brilliant. I remember seeing Ben White and thinking he reminded me, you know, like years back of, of seeing of seeing Peacock come in. That young guy instantly were like this, they, he, you know, this this kid's yeah. You say he's, he's a you know, Rolls Royce player. So there's me two centre backs. Left back, I've had to dip a little bit into the history books. This is the second player I haven't seen. I'm going for Alfie Sherwood, who was also going to be our captain. Um, 205 appearances and 41 for Wales. Known as the king of the sliding tackle, so I think you'll give Pipey a run for his money. Um, who no less than Stanley Matthews described as the most difficult opponent he ever played against. So, you know, fast coming from Stanley, I think he's a pretty decent player, even if I didn't see him. He also, Captain Wales, just thinking about Wales' loss to England in the calamitous effort in Qatar. He Captain Wales to a famous win over England in 1955. So Alfie Sherwood at left back, Peacock and White in the middle, Johnny Relish at the on, at right back. That's my that's my back four. I like how you've you've gone for a style this uh, silky ball playing defenders as well. Like I I can't wait to hear the rest of your team, and I can't wait to hear how you're going to get them playing together. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> and and although you know, obviously, I'm taking the piss out of being being massively old and picking all of these codgers. Um, there are players like Relish who um, I, I wish I could have been around to have seen, and who's kind of shadow, not shadow over the club, but you know what I mean, whose who, um, uh, presence as kind of club greats lives on, um, you know, to, to those of us who weren't old enough to have seen them play. And so I think, yeah, it's good to have someone who can articulate kind of why those people are bona fide legends of the club. And, and this is why, this is, this is why this is a, this is a great exercise because we're getting... You know, there's a real. I have seen most of the the team that we're going to talk about play, and and I think it's right to pick a few history ones out, and we can debate that. But but mixing that in with, you know, Hellenic League and Conference South and all sorts of other stuff that we've seen, and you know, the the, the team that took us back into the league and, and 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 where we are now, and I'm pretty sure we'll cover that spectrum, which I think is is great because you know we have got some fans who are even older than me. <laughs> no. Don't believe it, Ian. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Um, yeah, it's really good to get get like a real range of uh, perspectives from all the leagues, all the all the decades as well. Well, we've all finished our starters Christmas morning. I don't know what I mean. I've I've just topped up my box fizz. I had a couple of mince pies. A um, couple more chocolate coins. That's all I have at Christmas. So there's no um, real breakfast for me. But um, that is the end of part one of this uh, podcast Christmas special of the 95 Files podcast. We'll be back with part two in your podcast feeds uh, very shortly. Where we'll discuss our favourite midfielders, our favourite attackers, our favourite managers and our captains. But until then, keep it captain. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.